friends. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders, so that he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin any more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this is one of my kind of favorite gospels to preach on or to use during presentations that I give. And typically I use it in the opening talk of the weekend. And then I was like, ah, it's the gospel on Sunday. So... So this woman is caught in the very act of committing adultery. And, and for most of us, we usually assume that she's a prostitute, that she, kind of, that's her job or her trade. And, and I think it's important to always think about, like, the perspective of this woman. And, like, what was her life like? Now, she probably ended up in this life the same way most people end up in this life. Like maybe she was abandoned by her parents when she was younger. Or maybe she was abused when she was younger. Perhaps some crime was committed against her and she no longer found herself worthy of real love or worthy of real marriage. Somewhere along the line, she came to the belief that She had no value except for her bodily value, and the best she could do in life was to sort of go from man to man to man to man to man, selling her body. She probably hates her life. At times, even, I imagine she goes to bed at night praying that she's not going to wake up in the morning. And then one day, these men sort of catch her in the act. This woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. And they 
drag her out into this midst of this crowd and they make her stand in the middle. I want you to be exposed so that everybody can see you. And she must be filled with such immense shame. And at the same time, she realizes that, well, now I'm caught and everybody knows who I am. And in her shame, I imagine her just like staring down because that's what I would be doing. And they say to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? And our Lord bends down and writes in the ground with his finger. And what does he write on the ground with his finger? Like, again, from the perspective of the woman. I think he's really bending down because that's where she's looking. He's sort of placing himself within her gaze. Kind of like when somebody's staring off and we're like, hey, look at my finger. Like, trying to catch her eye. And I imagine he catches her eye for a minute and she notices that he's looking at her. And then she looks away. And then our Lord stands up and he says, whoever among you has no sin can cast the first stone. And he bends back down again. Hey, look at my finger. And this time he catches her eye. Because she's shocked at what he said. And she starts to notice that he looks at her differently than everybody else looks at her, that the crowd is all looking at her sin, thinking about her sin, looking at her body, confirming what she already believes about herself. But our Lord is looking into her, and he's looking at her with love. And I sort of imagine the crowd noticing this and thinking to themselves, like, how does Jesus look at her like that? I keep looking at her body. I'm thinking about all the sin that she's ever committed. I want to kill her because she's an occasion of sin for me. But our Lord is looking into her with love. And they might even remember Jesus saying once, whoever looks at a woman with lust." has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And they're reminded of their own sinfulness that they're trying to avoid by stoning this woman. And they start dropping their stones. And they go away one by one until it's just Jesus and the woman. And then he's able to stand up and look at her and say, Woman, has no one condemned you? And she answers, No one, sir. And the no one, sir, includes herself. The no one, sir, includes herself. Somewhere in the midst of the look of love, she started to see herself the way that Jesus sees her. She's transformed by love. And she learns that she has value because she's received it from the one who was willing to bend down and place himself within her gaze. Who was able to pierce through her sin and her shame with his love. And that's what our Lord wants to do with all of us is to pierce through our sin and our shame with his love. 
to recognize that like at my worst, our Lord redeemed me. It's a passage that we all should go back to over and over and over again because we're all prone to beating ourselves up for sins that we've committed in the past. Or we're prone to not wanting to address our own sinfulness and so we point out the sinfulness of others. And we keep pointing at their problem instead of taking responsibility for our own. Like those people in the crowd. I once met with somebody and they were actually the woman caught in adultery and the person throwing the stones at the same time. Father, I'm kind of throwing stones at myself. And if that's how we see ourselves, there's no room for Jesus in that. It's also an example of what you're called to do for one another. That was one of the questions last night is how, how do you communicate about like past hurts and, and shameful things or, or deep things? And, and if we take the example of our Lord, like we have to bend down and place ourselves in the other's gaze and be able to say, I love you even though. I love you even when. When your parents someday, you'll find yourself a lot of times bending down to put yourself within your child's gaze. When your children are very small, you do that because they can't see anything above that. And when you're older, you might do that because like most teenagers, they do things that they're ashamed of. They're afraid that their parents won't love them if they know what they did. And in that moment, you have this opportunity to be like Christ as you bend down to pierce through that kind of shame or that kind of hiding. And as you continue to prepare for your wedding days, it's a chance for you to practice every single day as you do that for one another. And so today, let us pray that the fruits of this weekend will be, my prayer for you is that each of you have had the opportunity or will soon have that experience of our Lord bending down to write on the ground trying to make sure that you don't miss him. And that you'll come to know and see yourself the way our Lord sees you. So that you can then look at each other with that same look of love. That heals all division, all hurt all fear, all shame. And that you may be a sign of hope and redemption for each person you encounter.